Shalom, and welcome to Inside Israel News, your source for unbiased and thorough analysis of Israeli news, politics, and current events in the Middle East. I'm your host, Isaac Kite. Inside Israel News is back. I'm uh, really frustrated to have to keep bringing bad news all the time. We start off today uh, with the sad news that uh, three yeshiva students were uh, hit in a, ambushed in a, a drive-by shooting at Tupuak Junction in Israel. Uh, three were injured, and one of them, Yehuda Geda, has died. So to him we say, Menuhato Beganadin, may his rest be in the Garden of Bliss. And uh, we hope, obviously, I do, and, and I hope uh, my listeners out there, that the violence will end and we will uh, be able to live in peace and security in our time. Uh, the Shin Beit Security Service is out to find the drive-by shooter, and they are pretty good at tracking down uh, the individuals who commit these acts of terror, so they will do uh, what they can to bring justice to that person, and they may very well spend the rest of their life in an Israeli prison for committing the, the murder of uh, Yehuda Geda and uh, injuring the other students that were in the vehicle with him. So with that bad news over, uh, it's more bad news for Bibi Netanyahu. As the name of this episode implies, the case against Bibi, uh, the, the situation in Israel, the political situation uh, is degrading further for him, <clears throat> and it's looking a lot like his political career has reached its end. In fact, the, the very best thing he could do to revive his legacy at this point uh, would be to go ahead and uh, resign with some grace and dignity. I will uh, discuss that here in just a minute and a little further on in the news. But first, I'm going to be talking about uh, Bibi Netanyahu personally and how uh, he has himself become something of an impediment to Israel's uh, political future. And I'm always, uh, as I say, unbiased. This is going to be a factual analysis of uh, Bibi Netanyahu's position. And uh, as I've mentioned before, I've personally been a reluctant supporter of his, although I've supported his policies. I felt that anyone else could have done the job as well. Uh, the fact is, uh, he has he has proven with this last uh, failure to form a government that that basically I think he's he's shown that his time has come and that uh, he's somewhat proving his detractors to be correct that he is the problem uh, in the political situation and not uh, the others. So I'll be going into that here in just a moment. As you'll know, if you've been watching the daily news, uh, Bibi Netanyahu's uh, mandate to form a government, his 28-day period during which it is his duty to bring in enough parties to form a majority uh, consisting of a full 61 seats. That's, you know, one half plus one of the 120 seats in the Knesset. And uh, he has failed to bring parties together equal to a majority. That means that his mandate goes away and the president can uh, bestow that mandate on someone else. Well, now <clears throat> uh, 56 uh, parties representing 56 seats in the Knesset have recommended uh, Yair Lapid for the job. And the president has thus given Yair Lapid the mandate. Those 56 being made up of the 51 seats that are uh, Yair Lapid's natural anti-BB coalition allies, let's just say, uh, in uh, the various parties that are supporting him, plus five of the six members of the joint list. Uh, as I've mentioned, one of the members, Shtaye, has refused to support any uh, Israeli prime minister candidate, but, uh, f but five of them, the other five, have voted to uh, 
give uh, Lapid at the very least the mandate. Will they vote with him to make him prime minister? That's another matter, but at least that gets him the start. Now, uh, now that he has made some kind of a deal with Gidon Sa'ar, he has those six seats in, so he has the full 51 seats of the uh, assumed anti-BB coalition, and he needs 10 more seats. Now, uh, as we've noted, Yamina, the uh, the right party, led by Naftali Bennett, has seven more seats to offer him, which would bring him up to 58 and very close to a majority. And uh, there's a lot of talk uh, between the two of them on how to form together. And, and that may involve uh, Naftali Bennett going first as prime minister. I'm going to discuss that a little bit more in depth uh, in a later segment. Uh, and uh, the Ra'am party, the Islamist party, could uh, support the coalition from outside, could join the coalition, what have you. Its four seats would offer them a majority. And obviously, if uh, the uh, five members of the joint list, or at least at that point, three of them uh, that uh, currently are uh, supporting, three of the five anyway, that are supporting uh, Lapid to hold the mandate to uh, seek the office of prime minister. If any of them were to vote, uh, three of them were to vote, then that would be a majority as well. So there's a good chance that uh, Lapid is going to be able to get the votes to form some form of coalition, uh, get BB out of office, and start a fresh coalition. Uh, this unity coalition that will be involving a lot of different disparate political parties and will be a kind of a complicated situation, uh, a, at the very least, a rotation of prime ministers. And so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, basically, uh, the news is Lapid and Bennett have announced that they believe they'll have their coalition put together within about a week. Uh, shouldn't take that long. Really, the only thing that can prevent that at this point, the only thing that can subvert that uh, would be, as I'm going to discuss in the next segment, uh, Bibi Netanyahu stepping aside. So when I get back from the break, we'll begin the case against Bibi. All rise as court is coming to session. This is the Court of Public Opinion, the Honorable Judge Hassar Yitzhak presiding. This is the case of the people versus Benjamin Netanyahu. You may be seated. Well, with court in session, it's time to discuss uh, Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, and uh, as I've stated before, I have been a reluctant supporter of his in the past. So again, claiming my biases. But I wanted to go over the the situation with Bibi now, objectively and factually, to demonstrate a point about the elections going on in Israel and now the fourth uh, in in two years uh, regarding uh, the political situation that's going on there now. And uh, basically, the, the charges against Bibi, if you will, are one, that he is uh, holding on to power for the purpose of holding on to power, uh, even though he may have become a detriment to his side. That, two, he has been uh, abusing that power. I'm not going to go so far as to suggest that, uh, you know, it's provably criminal, but it is becoming increasingly clear that some, at least ethical or moral, uh, problems have arisen during his administration, especially in recent years. And finally, um, that he has uh, become a hindrance to the Israeli right, that uh, he is the major uh obstacle, let's just say, to the formation of a right-wing government. And considering that the right bloc, if you want to call them that, have 72 seats in the Knesset, 80 if you include the eight seats for Benny Guns, who is regarded as a, a centrist. But basically, from the very middle of the political spectrum over to the right is two-thirds of the Knesset, 80 seats. So 
uh, why can't a right-wing government be formed? Why is it that the left, the center-left, is forming a government? And I think the answer there is Bibi Netanyahu. All right, so on this first point, Bibi Netanyahu has been in office for 12 consecutive years now and had three years in office beforehand. He's the longest-serving prime minister in Israeli history. All of that we, we know. That's been established. And uh, rather than choose to bow out gracefully, right, to come up with some plan for succession, he keeps clinging to the prime minister's office. In fact, even in the, the plans to have uh, a titular prime minister, to have... Uh, as we call the Medvedev plan, uh, to replace him in name only in the prime minister's office, he continued to live in the prime minister's residence. Uh, Bibi is clinging to that and does not want to leave. And it's understandable that when you have the trappings of power and you have uh, this position and all of these uh, benefits and accoutrements, you don't want to give them up. Uh, that I can understand. But the fact is the time is here. Uh, back in 2019, Bibi should have had some kind of succession plan, some kind of uh, exit plan for himself. And if he'd run then and said that he would go two years and then allow someone in Likud to succeed him, forming a new government uh, or, or, you know, basically a new prime minister at that point to head the uh, existing coalition, I think everyone would have bought into it and he would probably have done better in the first 2019 election, uh, the first of these four, and been able to continue in office. And he'd be leaving office now anyway, if that had been the case, because that would be a... Uh, you know, a two-year term then would have been coming up now, and he'd be retiring, and, and Likud would be choosing a new leader and uh, planning uh, the succession. Unfortunately, he did not do that. <clears throat> and so we've gone through four elections here, and it's been pretty clear that in these four elections, Bibi has been unable to form a government. Now, he has also been the most popular candidate for prime minister, granted, bar none, but uh, he has uh, still failed to form a government. Well, uh, you could equally blame that on his political opponents and say they're just being intransigent and they're just unwilling to, to work with him up to a certain point. But we've kind of reached a point now where Bibi's behavior is lending, lending significant credence to his uh, opponent's positions. And this is, again, a factual statement. Here he is four elections in. He has been in, unable to form a government. He has just finished a 28-day mandate. Uh, he has been able to form governments in the past of all sorts uh, and varieties with uh, right-wing parties, center-left parties, and so on and so forth. And yet here in this government, he's been unable to uh, put one together to reach a majority. The second thing is uh, with the, the question of the corruption trials. Now, the witnesses in uh, the first corruption trial, the 4000 case, uh, is the one that's uh, in court right now. And at that one, uh, it's the one that involves Bezik, supposedly uh, the leading executives there, pulling negative content about BB off of some of their websites in exchange for regulatory favors. You know, they did receive some regulatory benefits and, and from uh, the you know Netanyahu's administration. Uh, but there's the question of, was there a deliberate, direct, and agreed-to quid pro quo? If you do this for me, I do that for you. And uh, at this point, you know, with the witnesses that have come forward, they're very anti-BB. They're fairly low-level people in the company. And while it is credible that they received orders from up above to remove negative content from the website, uh, the claims of some of these employees that somehow they were in the discussions with the top-level people about what was going on uh, and, and supposedly this quid pro quo was mentioned, that I'm not sure I'm willing to believe. I don't think the, the witnesses have much credibility on that. I don't know how the court will weigh it out as far as uh, conviction goes, but it's not all that likely that such things 
you know, such grave matters and, and matters that are, you know, have legal ramifications. It is illegal to have a quid pro quo with a public official to have public benefits for your company in exchange for your company doing favors for that politician. Everyone should know that. So I just don't imagine these executives discussing that with lower level employees like uh, was supposed to have been done. And as a result, the credibility is a little weak there. That said, um, credibility in the sense of a, a witness testifying in a criminal case versus credibility of uh, wrongdoing in the, in the court of public opinion are two very different things. Okay, in the court of public opinion, you can do something wrong if it is um, publicly wrong, if the people believe it is wrong, if it is unethical, uh, if it is immoral in the popular mind, whether it is a crime that is... Uh, capable of warning you a conviction in court. And so that's what I'm talking about here with the court of public opinion. It is becoming increasingly likely that there is some wrongdoing here. Not necessarily, again, I, I don't know that the courts will convict. A lot of the cases are circumstantial, but even circumstantial cases can be grounded on criminal activity that may not be provable in a court of law in terms of, of achieving a conviction. But it is looking like some deals were going on here. And if that's the case then Bibi Netanyahu is abusing his power, or has been, uh, certainly pushing it beyond the lines of propriety. Finally, there is the charge that uh, Bibi is hurting the cause. And as I mentioned before, at this point, the center to the right is 80 seats in the Knesset, from Benny Gantz all the way over to the religious Zionists on the far, far right. <clears throat> there are 80 seats. That's two-thirds of the Knesset. There really is no excuse why there should not be a center-right government in Israel, perhaps in compromise, bringing in centrist or center-left parties, but it should be a government led by the right. The idea that all of the left-wing parties and the center-left and the centrist parties and some right-wing parties are now discussing forming a unity government is somewhat ridiculous. No, not somewhat, it's patently ridiculous. And uh, again, the reason that this is happening is Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, at this point, he is clinging to power. And like I said, he's, he's, that, that aspect is kind of proving itself at this point, that he has not retired, that he has not seen the writing on the wall, and uh, let it go. Uh, he can still wield significant influence, but <clears throat> it's time for him to leave the prime minister's office. So this is, uh, this is the, the final charge, I want to say, that Bibi Netanyahu has become the major impediment to the forming of a right-wing government, uh, which is the expressed will of the Israeli voters. Again, voters have given the right bloc 72 seats. And along with the centrist blue and white party, again, we, we have 80 seats from the center to the right. So there really isn't any excuse why a left-wing government should be formed here, except that they are unwilling to work with Benjamin Netanyahu. And so it's it really is Bibi who is the problem here. And it is worth noting that not only are parties not willing to negotiate with Bibi Netanyahu, the main factor of the opposition, the main thing that is holding together all of these parties that Yair Lapid is negotiating with to form a government, uh, the only issue they have in common is that they want Bibi Netanyahu out of office, right? So his departure would break up that anti-Bibi coalition, potentially, and restore government to the right. <clears throat> and that creates a, a, a situation where at, at this point, again, with all of the, the dissension that is broken in the ranks uh, with Bibi, uh, that we have to say that, that he is the major impediment there. 
And again, his behavior, clinging to the office like he has and, and the kinds of maneuvers he's engaged in would seem to lend credibility, lend credibility to his opponents, to people who have said that uh, he's just narcissistically and pathologically holding on to power, uh, that, that he's addicted to it, and that he just can't let go. Well, if he can't let go, he's going to be thrown out of office. And um, somewhat ignominiously, much like Maggie Thatcher was, uh, cast out of number 10 in 1990. And uh, that is not going to be good for Likud, and it's not going to be good for the right, and it's not going to be good for Israel. It's, it's really not the way it should be. Neither, you know, no, no one person should hold on to power to a point where they're cast out like that, on the one hand. And on the other hand, uh, really, a, a leader who has done as much for Israel as Bibi Netanyahu should, uh, has done should be treated with a little bit more respect at the end. So what are some of the options here? The best thing Bibi can do strategically now is go ahead and resign. Announce that he will re leave the prime minister's office when uh, a new government is formed and resign as head and chairman of the Likud party, which would trigger a leadership race in Likud. Now, what would be the after effects of this? In the immediate term, it would immediately undermine Yair Lapid's ability to form a government because suddenly the right-wing parties from Gidon Sa'ar's New Hope Party, which has already signed an agreement with Lapid, to Yamina's Naftali Bennett, uh, and even uh, Avigdor Lieberman's Yisrael Batenu Party, uh, these parties are nominally on the right and would prefer a right-wing government. They just don't want it led by Bibi Netanyahu. <clears throat> so uh, his departure would immediately undermine that, break those up, and... The media attention would then also have to be split between uh, Yair Lapid's efforts to form a government on the one hand, which the media would very much like to talk about. No, no media bias in Israel either, just like uh, here in the U.S. Uh, but at the same time, they would have to divide their attention over to the Likud leadership race, uh, in which a number of uh, competent leaders would step forward, uh, one of whom is Nir Barkat, the uh, former uh, mayor of Jerusalem and uh, a competent candidate for leadership of Likud and potentially a competent prime minister if given the opportunity. And again, that, that over the 28 days that Lapid would have to form a government, if that's all going on in leadership contest in Likud and uh, those right-wing parties no longer as eager to work with Lapid, that could sabotage his efforts to form a government. Otherwise, as I'm going to discuss uh, shortly, he has a pretty good shot at, at forming it at this point. Now, uh, that all being the case... Uh, if uh, Lapid is unable to form a government because Likud is having its leadership contest, what have you, and, and within a month, Likud can complete that leadership contest and then elect a new leader. And that, uh, let's just assume for a moment, Nir Barkat is able to emerge in that time as the clear leader of Likud. Then it would be reasonable after Lapid's mandate fails for Barkat to go to President Rivlin and say, hey, look, now that Likud has a new leader, uh, we'd like to ask if uh, I can have a mandate and other party leaders backing him, uh, obviously, Likud's natural allies and so on and so forth. Uh, it would be pretty clear that he would have a good shot at forming that government. And so possibly he could get the mandate instead of going to a fifth election. And if a fifth election were to take place under said circumstances where Bibi Netanyahu is gone and there's a new leader in Likud, we would have a very different election. It wouldn't be an election of uh, pro-Bibi versus anti-Bibi parties, right and left. It would be an election between a little bit more traditionally between the right and the left. Uh, so this is... Uh, how that would all turn out and, and how that would play out in, in its course. And very likely, if that scenario happened the way that I'm describing it, Nir Barkat would have no trouble uh, cobbling together a coalition 
Uh, he can bring in the Haredi parties, the ultra-Orthodox, at 16 more votes. Uh, there'd be no reason for Gidon Sa'ar not to cooperate with him to form a right-wing government because he's not Bibi Netanyahu. And so uh, Sa'ar would, would want to uh, join that as well. That puts him up at 52 seats. Yisrael Betenu could join that government. That's 59 seats. And without even talking to Yamina, with Naftali Bennett and, and his big head these days, um, we, we can then uh, assert <laughs> reasonably uh, that... Uh, we could, uh, uh, Barkat could form a government at that point, having in uh, in its stead either uh, the religious Zionists or the far right, or he could go to Bennett, or he could uh, look to Benny Gantz, who's you know centrist party, you know, offer him the defense portfolio, which is what Lapid has offered him, and say, hey, look, if you join our government, you'll you'll lend center left, uh, you know, centrist coalition credence to us, and uh, we'll, we won't be a hard-right coalition, and then we'll have a majority. And, and again, easy thing to put together, and he'd have a lot of flexibility if for some reason one of the parties, say Blue and White or uh, Yisra Batenu, should want to depart the coalition at some point, saying that you know they disagree with this policy or that, he will easily be able to find other parties that want to take their place and uh, hold the government together, and the government could go the four years, potentially, to 2025, before elections would need to be held. So that's a, that's a very viable scenario, and it requires just one thing, just one small step. Uh, BB could hold a press conference tomorrow, and this would all be over. It would all pretty much, you know, that scenario might not happen, I'm just saying, but, I, you know, it's very plausible if, if he were to step down that it could all just slide right downhill like that, and then you'd have Nir Barkat leading a uh, uh, center-right coalition. If Bibi is not willing to do that, if he's not willing to take that step, he could be in, in for some trouble. Uh, and if he did, uh, again, if, if he were willing to step down and, and allow that scenario to play out the way I just described it, then uh, there would be options. He could, he, you know, Bibi has mentioned he's not interested in the presidency, but there is a presidential election this summer. And maybe he'd get the presidency and that'd be seven years and one term only. And he could sit that out as a, an elder statesman and that would be that. Uh, at this point, uh, it's not clear who's going to be president because they're, they're, you know, we haven't got a government and, and we don't know who the left is going to put up. We don't know who the right's going to put up. So it'll be interesting to see. I think when there's a new government, one side or the other, they should immediately pass an election reform, uh, establishing direct election of the president and a runoff if necessary. Uh, maybe extend Ruby Rivlin's term by a month or two to facilitate time for the election. But that's just my opinion. I think that a directly elected president would have a stronger position. But, you know, that's that's here nor there. One way or another, a president is going to be elected this summer, and uh, it's not clear who that's going to be. And it could be Bibi if he were to allow the right to form a government. If there's a left-wing government, then he's just going to be thrown out of office rather ignominiously, and uh, then that will be that. And he'll be, he'll be done. He'll be retired. And the more he resists that, the greater the likelihood is that uh, we're going to see um, a, uh, a, you know, a left-wing government and Bibi having very little influence over Israeli politics in the future. Right. So there's been some immediate political fallout from uh, the decision of Yair Lapid to have the mandate to form a government. And here's some of that fallout. Uh, polls show... Some 43% of Israelis support a government led by 
uh, Naftali Bennett as part of a rotation with Yair Lapid. So it's fairly popular. Not a majority, but, you know, in, in Israel, prime ministers rarely poll in the majorities. Again, this is not a direct election, not like a, a governor, mayor, or president uh, in the U.S., uh, or a mayor in Israel. So there's not going to be a direct election, and there's not going to be a need for him to have a majority. However, that's fairly popular. Uh, interesting point. However, there's a problem for Naftali Bennett. It seems only one in four Yamina voters, people who voted for his party, that is his constituents, only one in four of them favor the establishment of that government. So it's an interesting thing when you have a political party with only seven seats, you know, you're, you're just over one twentieth of the Knesset, <laughs> just a little over five percent of the, the total number of seats. And one in four of your voters supports the direction you're going in, you know, wants you to be prime minister. <laughs> it's kind of an odd situation. Uh, already there's been some dissension. One of the Yamina party members, the number five on their list, Amichai Hikli, has announced that uh, he will resign the party if uh, and leave the party if somehow Bennett joins that government. So that's quite a uh, that's quite a thing. Uh, again, political consequences right away. So Yamina may only be able to bring six votes to uh, uh, this coalition uh, deal with. Uh, Yair Lapid. And again, every vote counts because at this point, even with five joint list MKs, members of Knesset, MK, uh, voting with Yair Lapid, he's still at 56 seats, right? So uh, if it's unlikely that any of those five are going to vote for him to be prime minister, or let's say it's less likely that they'd vote for him to be prime minister without joining a coalition, it's possible they might prop up the government temporarily. But yeah, your Lapid's going to need something a little more solid than that. Some kind of an agreement, spoken, written, or what have you. So he's going to need Yamina's votes. And with 51 reliable seats in Knesset, he needs all seven of those votes to get to 58. Now, if he's got six of them, okay, that, that leaves them just four seats shy. And of course, uh, Ra'am is out there, Mansour Abbas is out there with uh, just the four seats he needs. Now, uh, a quick bit of news on that. Uh, Mansour Abbas made a statement on TV condemning the terrorist attack at uh, Tapua Junction and uh, stating his opposition to it. Now, again, uh, Betsyla Smotrich is saying that uh, Ra'am has supported terrorism in the past and they're anti-Zionist. And here Mansour Abbas is condemning that act and, and that kind of thing. On the other hand, it's easy to say that you condemn something without actually doing anything about it. And uh, that is... So that, that coin kind of has two sides there, right? There's the two double-edged sword there. The door swings both ways, you might say. Uh, it, but, it, but it is much easier to condemn something, really, than it is to do something about it. So if um, uh, Hikli is not willing to support the coalition and Yamina has just six votes to add, then that puts them at 57. And if Ra'am is willing to join the coalition formally or support it from the outside without actually joining the coalition, that puts the, the unity anti-BB coalition at exactly 61 votes. Now, that's quite a thing. <clears throat> so 61 votes right there. It's tight, but it is a majority, and it would be enough. And it's possible that maybe some of the joint list MKs might also vote, at least initially, uh, for Yair Lapid or Bennett uh, to take office as prime minister in, in their rotation agreement, again, just to get Bibi Netanyahu out of office. But still, that's even a bit of a stretch. So uh, even obtaining a majority is still a bit of a stretch here, but it is doable. 
it is entirely possible it's a deal that Yair Lapid can make. And this is my my point about Bibi. So here, if if the center left is is spineless, if they're going to bow and and cave and the bow to foreign powers and cave in the in the face of international pressure, if if the left is really as bad as everyone on the right says they are, right? This is politics, right? Everybody, everybody but me is evil. Everybody but me is bad. I'm the only one who can lead, right? This is, we hear this from politicians everywhere. You have to have me. It's got to be me. If if not me, then who's going to uh, who's going to do all the things, right? You know, oh, those other guys aren't going to do anything. They they're not competent, right? Okay, so. Uh, if that's true, then uh, and and certainly the right has more seats, as I've said, the the center and and center right are at two thirds of the Knesset, basically. Uh, then uh, obviously whoever's in the way of that should go, <clears throat> and that right now is Bibi Netanyahu because he's failed his mandate to form a government. And if he would go ahead and quit right now, as I've described before, it would immediately break up Lapid's efforts to form a government, uh, possibly sabotage him, and then. Uh, after that, it would uh, strengthen Likud's case to uh, try to form a government without uh, Bibi at the head of it, but at least it would be a right-wing government. Well, nothing is guaranteed, but it seems that the verdict is in regarding uh, Bibi Netanyahu as prime minister, and it would be a good idea for him to leave. Noting that, of course, um, that could change the political landscape quite a bit. There is... Uh, no reason if Bibi Netanyahu is not leading Likud that, say, Nir Barkat or another leader of Likud could not negotiate with New Hope to bring them back into Likud. All of those are uh, Likudniks who are, you know, right-wing politicians. They left Likud with Gidon Sa'ar because it was led by Bibi Netanyahu. So that would bring Likud back up to 36 and, and strengthen their position at forming a government. Also, uh, there are rumors that Ayelet Shaked, uh, one of my favorite members of Yamina, uh, with Naftali Bennett, is looking at rejoining Likud as well, once Bibi has gone. And that could offer them, uh, if that uh, tra if that's allowed, uh, sometimes leaving a faction under the Knesset rules can be rather complicated. But uh, that could give them another vote there too. And, and again, reorient the political situation away from the current deadlock. But as long as Bibi Netanyahu persists, Likud is going to be facing the possibility of being out of government. Uh, I don't know if Bibi thinks he's going to lead the opposition and somehow uh, hope that this government collapses and falls apart. Uh, but it would be a lot easier if he would just go ahead and retire and allow the chips to fall where they might thereafter. Uh, but again, that, that's a factual assertion based on the circumstances. It seems that he has been unable to form a government in four elections. Uh, it, uh, it looks a lot like he's clinging to power, like many of his, uh, as many of his critics say. Uh, and it's beginning to seem that he's made some uh, errors of judgment in government, uh, be it on a level of, of you know, criminal culpability, whether it's provably criminal or not, uh, is still open to interpretation. And the courts will handle that uh, question right there. But at the same time, uh, clearly, uh, some things have happened that are a little bit, uh, you know, out of sorts that are that are not right in an ethical or moral sense. So with that, I will uh, close this episode. And I uh, will encourage you to visit uh, Inside Israel News on politicalvanguard.com. Politicalvanguard.com is uh, the new home of his Inside Israel News. You'll also find some of my articles in the contributor section where I write about U.S. politics, international affairs, and uh, some Israeli news, although most of that I, I pour into the Inside Israel podcast at this point. And uh, as always, I say goodbye.
להתראות. Oh, my God.